0: Revelation chapter 13, Super Bowl Sunday, we're going to talk about the Antichrist today. Sounds perfect. (laughs) It's important that you understand the idea of the Antichrist. He's a real person who will one day be elevated to a position of leadership. Satan will empower him. He'll have miracle powers. At one point he'll be assassinated, according to what the scripture teaches us, and he'll come back to life. Zechariah eleven seventeen says that he'll lose an eye. One of his arms will stop working. Reminds me of Moshe Diane, one of the leaders of the Jewish army back in the day, of that eye patch, you know, and war stories. He's a real person. Who's dedicated himself not to serving God the most high, but his own kingdom as high as he can. And it's in the future, and as we think about the Antichrist today even, there might be a little disconnect in your mind, and maybe you read the Left Behind series, you know, and then sold it immediately, and it's kind of funny. And then, you know, whatever, you got all hyped up or freaked out or whatever the case is. I want us to, at the beginning of this sermon, to, to understand what Antichrist means. It doesn't mean opposite of Christ. Christ is love, and Antichrist is hate, you know, And Jesus is joy. The fruit of the Holy Spirit is joy. And the Antichrist is wrath. And, you know, the opposite. It would make sense. So it's opposite Antichrist, opposite of Christ. But it's not opposite of Christ. The Antichrist is not going to be the opposite of Christ. He's going to be a counterfeit of Christ. He's going to be just like him to the world that remains. He's going to be luring people away, not with a pitchfork and a red suit and handlebar mustache, you know, and all weird looking. He's going to be a political leader who brings peace, who brings joy, who brings hope, who brings power. All the things that Christ offers to you and I. And this is where I don't want us to lose focus in a sermon like today is to think, oh, man, who would fall for that? Because the reality is there are counterfeits of Christ, replacements of Christ, not the opposite of Christ, but instead of Christ that plague you and I every single day antichrist the joy the peace the love the purpose the hope the satisfaction the pleasure the things of this world are empowered by satan right now to deceive you and me every single day there's lures in the water there's hooks everywhere traps they're all antichrist first john who wrote this said antichrist is already among us not the antichrist but the spirit of antichrist other than christ in place of christ and it's going to be fun today to piece some things together and kind of connect the dots and maybe hypothesize about the future. It's not really going to matter, though. The future is going to unfold with or without your help. You realize that, right? You got battles right now of the antichrist in your own life, the in place of Christ, every, for the rest of your life. Every moment, the devil prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. He doesn't Let up. He doesn't have a good day and think, you know what? I've just been kind of working overtime. Think I'm going to give planet Earth a little break. Take a little trip to Tahiti, you know. He doesn't do that. He's relentless. And so so I say that because if you're like me, you've fallen for the bait from time to time. You've you've pursued things that were anti-Christ in place of him. Not the opposite of him, gross, satanic, weird, crazy stuff, but the things that are just, we so, listen, we're supposed to be given to you by Christ and his promises and his word and his presence, and yet you've sold out for, for, for cheaper goods. I'm getting just a little bit ahead of myself, so I need to quickly backtrack and, and make mention of last week's tragedies. Last week during the 10 a.m. service while I was preaching, you guys know a helicopter went down in Los Angeles and nine souls perished and two of which were famous the other seven we, we didn't know but now we do Kobe Bryant and his daughter and, and, as, and as that happened I, I remember the, the band told me after the 11 a.m. or after whatever service it was because I didn't and I was like what? Kobe Bryant? Dead? Just like that? And, and then on Tuesday bring it locally guy sits in the back row there uh, Dave O'Donnell, my, my wrestling coach, he, he died at 4.15 on Tuesday afternoon. and He'd been battling and been in the hospital for since September. i have been up there to see him. And, and he died. Went to heaven to be with Jesus. Dave O'Donnell was a, a prominent character, a prominent figure in, in our community. Coached on many, many levels and led me to my first two times to go to state wrestling tournament. And, and he's in heaven now. We were here on... Friday, planning his memorial. And it reminded me all of this. Because we're in a a battle. This is the the same destiny for Kobe Bryant and those other seven souls and his daughter and the, the same destiny for Coach Dave O'Donnell and you, the same, we're all gonna die. Hey, life is short. God is in control. And if you know the Bible, you don't have to fear. But instead, you're invited to live. You're invited to live above the chaos and as we study this chapter and move forward and remember those who've just recently lost, and, and, and there's so many more. It's a big church, small community. It, it just, just blips on the radar all, all week long of devastation. And I'm gonna pray at the beginning. and I'm just gonna ask God to use this time that we have set aside. Maybe you have a Super Bowl party later. I, I'm, I'm gonna enjoy the afternoon. But, and I wanna redeem that time with, with my family and the people that I'm hanging out with. I wanna love them. We learned this last week, that the the believer's mantra, we learned it for two weeks in a row, is in Revelation 12, verse 11. They overcame him by the blood of the lamb, by the word of their testimony, and they did not love their lives to the death. And maybe today you just need to plead the blood. Lord, the blood. That's your your go-to option. I had to plead the blood this week. It was so hard because I blew it. I walked in stuff I shouldn't do. You know, I found myself attitudes and actions and things. You know what I did? Jesus. Jesus, I'm hanging on to you. Hanging on to you. And the word of their testimony. I just began to celebrate who Jesus has been in my life. I'm not the same person I used to be. Lord, you've done so much work. Lord, and you haven't brought me this far just to bring me this far. You're not done yet. And then to live a lifestyle of not loving your own life to the death, but instead doing what the Bible says, esteeming others as better than yourself. It's the secret sauce of life. It's gonna make this church, it's gonna make your life, your family, your purpose. And unfortunately, many of us have titles and we've done things and we have experience, but each one of us are looking for purpose every single day. Like, what's my purpose? And if you don't know your purpose, you're gonna fall for the first trick that comes your way, the first hook, the first mistake. You're gonna compromise. Or you're gonna just buy into the wrong thing and get to the end and it didn't do what you thought it would do. But if you know your purpose, to be one who pleads the blood of the lamb, who lives for something greater than yourself and esteems others better than yourself and, and, and exhorts God's glory in your own testimony. For you young people out there that are trying to find your purpose right now, okay, your purpose is identified in God's program, in God's kingdom, What in the world is God doing? And we get a sneak peek. And by the way, if you're here today, man, you have no more excuses moving forward because you're going to see the end of the book. You're going to know what's happening, what's next. And so when you spaz out, when you tap out, when you wig out, when you get weird, okay, there's no excuse. It's on you. You better plead the blood. But if you're looking for answers today and energy and direction and purpose, why should I say yes? Why should I say no? Why should I continue? Because of what God has declared to be true. That the Antichrist, the instead of Christ, is already here. And it's a battle. I do have a fear of man complex. I want to please everyone. Pray for me. And, and so when the Super Bowl comes around and we cancel a service, you know, I just, I get, I was going to, you know. And yet I was thinking about Paul. Paul. Paul referenced sports, he was a sports fan. He'd be cheering for the Niners too. No? I don't know. And Paul, Paul likened the faith that we're in as into a boxing match. He said, he's like fighting. And he, he likened it as into a wrestling match. Man, you got an opponent. He likened it as into all sports. He said, there's rules. you got to compete by the rules. If you don't obey the rules, you're, you're going to be disqualified. He talked about discipline as it pertains to sports in, in our faith. He talked about it as a long-distance race. He talked about it as a team sport. We're not, this isn't alone. And, and then he went next level. And he said, you know, it's not just a sport of competition. It's a war. It's a war. I don't know how many of you guys have had the chance to see 1917, the World War I-based movie. Spoiler alert. No, I'm just kidding. I'm not going to spoil it for you. <laughs> but the overall general plot is that two soldiers are given information about the enemy. And they're asked to then deliver the information to their commander. Because when that commander gets the information about their enemy, lives will be saved. And if the information about the enemy isn't given, received, or heeded, it'll be, to quote, a massacre. And so here's a cool, cool thing, God's given to us information. Knowledge. Knowledge is great. When applied and lived in your life, it becomes wisdom. Moses said in Psalm 90, Lord, teach us to number our days that we may, might gain a heart of wisdom. Sometimes I get real excited the fact that life is short. I start to geek out on it and smile. Maybe today, you know. And I wake up and I have to go to work. <laughs> so I'm gonna pray and ask God to bless us as we study his word to that end. Lord, in Jesus' name now, as we get into Revelation 13 and consider the war, the fight, the match, the race, Lord, as we consider the detours and the counterfeits, Lord, I pray a blessing that you have covered all of our bases, that the blood of Jesus Christ covers us from all of our sins, past, present, and future. And we see it, Lord, bared out in the testimonies of the men and women here. And Lord, you've asked us to now walk, denying ourselves, serving you. Would you help us to do that, Holy Spirit? I pray for an anointing on teaching, anointing on listening. Lord, and this this half hour will come and go. And so I pray an anointing on living, that we would live, Lord, the things that we learn today for your glory and for others' good, because Jesus is real. So would you bless this time, we pray, in Jesus' name. And everybody said? Amen. 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 Take your Bibles to Revelation chapter 13. Let me read two verses, and I'll read the last verse of chapter 12 and the first verse of chapter 13. The last verse of chapter 12 is verse 17, and it says, and the dragon, that's Satan we learned, was enraged with the woman. That's the Jewish nation we learned. This is in the future. And he went to make war with the rest of her offspring who keep the commandments of God and have the testimony of Jesus Christ. These are known as the tribulation saints. The people during the tribulation period that are going to be saved during that seven-year wrath of God judgment on planet Earth. And so now we see John on the island of Patmos given a vision, a great sign in heaven, the grand meta narrative of God, Satan, and the Jewish nation, and the child of God, which is Jesus, and he sees this conflict, and now it transitions from what he sees in heaven, this conflict, to Satan coming to planet Earth during that time. This is all future, verse 13, or verse 1 of chapter 13. Then I, I've got I circled because it should say then he, okay, what's it say on the screen? I. How many of you guys have a version that says then he? Anybody have a version that says then he? Okay, Jenny does. Anybody else in the back? Okay, then he. If you take chapter 12, verse 17 and erase the chapter breaks because they weren't originally there the last person that was being talked about was Satan. Satan was cast down. He made war and havoc upon all those who sought after living a godly life. Then I saw, i just put he in there. Then he, Satan, stood on the sand of the sea. And I, that's John, saw a beast rising up out of the sea having seven heads and 10 horns. And on his horns, 10 crowns. And on his head, a blasphemous name. And the beast which I see was like a leopard And his feet were like the feet of a bear. And his mouth like the mouth of a lion. And the dragon, that's Satan, gave him his power, his throne, and great authority. Stop right there, eyes up here. I read this chapter when I was 19 years old. San Beo Circle, right behind Subway there, sitting at my parents' house. And I got to chapter 13, and when I read this, I closed my Bible. And I thought, what in the world? And I began to pray. I said, Lord... If there is indeed a beast in the sea with seven heads and ten crowns, and the Coast Guard has not yet been able to find it, (laughs) and the Navy has missed it, and Jacques Cousteau struck out, and it's just there, maybe buried in the Adriatic Trench, seven miles deep there in the middle of the ocean where nothing's ever been found. And I just—I remember I worshiped the Lord. I was like, Lord, I trust you. And I literally believed that there was a sea, with a beast with seven heads and 10 crowns. And I just, you know, I just gave the Lord a thumbs up. I said, that's your job, not mine, you know. But later on in Bible interpretation, we find out that these aren't indeed a, a real sea with a real beast with seven heads and 10 crowns. But the sea represents the nations of the world, the kingdoms around in John's day, Rome and Babylon and all the kingdoms. And this beast that would come out with seven heads and 10 crowns would indicate that there would be multiple leaders and hierarchies and in countries that would come together against Christ and his anointed. Now, as I put this together, I wanna point out a few obvious things. Number one, in verse 17, it says that there's a war going on. This isn't just politics This isn't just right and wrong. It is an absolute war on Christ and what he's... You guys who are in the know, you sense this, don't you? This isn't just, it's okay to, you know, you're okay, I'm okay, we're okay, okay. But if you're a Christian, a Bible-believing Christian, there is a war been waged upon you and upon his anointed. And so it's important that you understand the war in in his enemies, lest you be deceived yourself. And we're going to use the Bible to interpret the Bible, so I'm going to take a lot of liberties today and make um, assumptions that you know Daniel chapter 2, Daniel chapter 7, Daniel chapter 11 and 12, and Revelation chapter 17, and all these things that we've already studied in past times where it says who is what and what is happening. And you can email me and I'll give you some outlines, but suffice it to say, the best commentary on the Bible is the Bible. So there's what's known as the rule of first mention, where if something is mentioned, we go to the Bible to see how that was used previously. And the C is always known to indicate the kingdoms around and war and all this is spiritual in nature. But let me just say something at the front end here, because all of that we're studying today, and man, I really intended to finish this chapter today. But we'll see, we'll see. Uh, all that we're studying today is futuristic stuff. Okay, it's happening during the tribulation period. There will be people in heaven that have been raptured and there will be people on earth suffering through the wrath of God. Raise your hand if you're gonna be one of those people in heaven, okay? Anybody gonna be in heaven, okay? So I'm not gonna be there. Like, I'm not gonna be there. You're not gonna be there. So part of you must think this through. Why are we studying this? Let's just fast track. I'm not even gonna be there. Does it matter? Let me just give you for your note-taking a few reasons why it does matter. Number one, because it's in the Bible and you should know what the Bible says, okay? Seek for the rest of your life until you die not to be a Bible dum-dum, okay? Don't be biblically illiterate. Know what the Bible says. It's a big book. It's going to take you the rest of your life, and it's going to take you the rest of your life continuing to devote to it, just like a relationship. You should know what the Bible says, and if you don't, if you're here today, like, I don't know anything, you know, read it. Study it and read it, and you will find yourself slowly becoming biblically literate. And once you're becoming biblically literate, you're not a Bible dum-dum. Number two, the reason why we study the future, even though we're not going to be there, is because then you can be a better witness to the people in your life that might possibly be there. You will know what you're talking about and you can share with others. And when you're able to share with others for their good, God's going to use you in that way. And the only way you're going to be able to do that, this is kind of threefold, is because you do know what is happening. You'll be able to share, but not just share, but you'll be able to share with confidence. It's important that we are confident. I have a lot of questions. I have an open hand with a lot of things, like how things are gonna work out, and who's the Antichrist, and what does the European Union have to do with it, and what about the woman that rides the beast we're gonna see in chapter you know, 15 and 16 with the Catholic Church. And I, got, I, got, I don't know, I don't know. But I got confidence in what I do know. I want you guys to have that same kind of confidence So there's notes uh, in the backs of your chairs, and hopefully you're still journaling. Um, We don't have any more Revelation journals. Maybe we'll have some of those in the next couple weeks. Uh, But uh, check this out. Read, Read verse 13. I'm sorry, verse 1 of chapter 13 again. It says, Then he stood on the sand of the sea. This is Satan. And I saw a beast rising up out of the sea, having seven heads and ten horns, and on his horns ten crowns, and on his heads a blasphemous name. Again, these seven heads and ten horns are regions of the population around during that time most believe this is a reunification of the european union or a reunification of rome where these tribes will come together and find themselves banding politically during the end times Uh, that's followed up in daniel 2 and daniel 7 but the point that i want to make right here is that the devil himself stood on the seashore and was looking and then out of the sea rose the antichrist Because out of the political government and makeup we have now, internationally, someone will one day in the future be raised up to be the Antichrist. How and when and all the particulars are left to be seen and undetailed. The point that gets under my skin is that Satan is looking, prowling like a roaring lion, trying to find somebody to offer the kingdom to, somebody to offer the throne to, somebody to offer the bait to in order to use them against themselves. I just need to. Some of you guys think that the Antichrist is like a superhuman or something special or like a, an alien or somebody born from another world or some fallen demon with a mask on. He's a normal dude that gives himself over to the power of Satan. Okay, don't raise your hand if you're a normal person. <laughs> y'all, kept, y'all kept your hands down, even the weirdos that should have raised your hand. I'm not a normal person, you know. <sighs> We're all just normal people, and the devil stands in our lives. And he looks for opportunities to to partner with you, partner with me, in an unholy partnership. And he extends to you the same offering that he does to this man in the future, power and success and authority and intrigue and honor and a fulfillment. All these things that are opposite, or should I say, antichrist, that is in place of Christ. As we study this through, we just see the diabolical nature of our enemy, just like in Real war. If you understand the enemy, you'll understand what Satan might be bringing up against you. It says in verse 2, "...now the beast which I saw was like a leopard. His feet were like the feet of a bear, and his mouth like the mouth of a lion." And the dragon gave him his power and his throne and great authority. For you Bible students, you remember this vision parallels and mirrors Daniel's dream that he saw of the leopard and the bear and the lion. The lion represents the nation of Babylon. The bear represents the nations of the the Medo-Persians. The leopard represents Alexander the Great and the Greeks, all in reverse order because John is now looking back, whereas Daniel was looking forward. All of it is fascinating on a different level, a different Bible study. I would teach it that way. But he sees this European Union, this revivification, if you would, Notice though in verse 2 at the end it says the dragon gave him his power his throne and great authority. A lot of people think the antichrist will be ugly and sinister and evil and devilish. Okay he's going to be a political leader, great headshot, great prowess, great ability. People aren't going to be repulsed by him or her. Actually it's not a her, repulsed by him the Bible tells us, of his gender. But they're going to be instead deceived by the power that is given to him. And I just got some bad news for you guys. Did you guys know that Satan right now is in charge of the world as we know it? He actually is the power source behind this world. Adam and Eve forfeited the rights to planet Earth, and now Satan is the god of this age, to quote the Bible. You need to wrestle with this. Because just having power, just having success, just having prowess alone doesn't mean it's from the Lord. It says right here that Satan will give him his power, his authority, and his kingdom. This is important for you who are Christians wanting to know God's will in your life. The Bible says God opens doors and closes doors that no one can open and close, right? Bad news, Satan does the same thing. Just because somebody has power, just because the door is open for you, doesn't necessarily mean it's God's will or for God's glory. You and I who are believers have to have discernment and wisdom to understand, where's this from? Remember when Jesus was tempted in Matthew chapter 4 and Satan brought him up to the highest mountain peak and said, I will give you the kingdoms of the world. Satan talking, I will give them to you. Just worship me. Two things happened. Number one, Jesus didn't worship him, but instead defended himself with scripture, the truth. He knew that that was a perverse offering and he defended himself with the truth. That's what our anchor is. Number two, listen, Jesus didn't correct Satan and say, you can't offer me the kingdoms of the world. Those are mine. Because they're not Jesus's yet. He will take the seal. We studied that out. But right now, when bad people come into leadership, when things are done wrong, or even in your own life and there's things around you that are powerful, how could this be powerful? If it's powerful, it must be true. Eh. There are things in this world that are indeed powerful, successful, and satanic. Satanic. I remember one time I got offered, and I told the story before, forgive me, but a position to be a co owner in a business as a young man. I was 22 years old, and this opportunity to be a business owner with these other two successful men. I thought, that's pretty cool. It's a Christian business, by the way. They were selling coffee for a living. Coffee, guys. It, it, this has to be from the Lord. Christian coffee sellers. Anyways, so I just, I was, it was a no brainer. And my dad emailed me and asked a simple question. He said, Luke, do you think this is from God to advance his kingdom in, in your life? Could be. Or do you think it's from Satan to subtly distract you? Wow. And it was, and I knew who God had called me to be. And it wasn't a Christian coffee slanger, you know, even though, as awesome as that is. That was my second choice, you know. First choice was to be a pastor. And I, and I, but it was an open door. And Satan is so sly. That is, he brings this Antichrist to power. Verse 2 again there at the bottom, it says, the dragon gave him his power, his throne, and great authority. And over the years, people have been duped by powerful leaders. If there's power, it's got to be true. Miracles. We had a pastor on staff at the Ashland Christian Fellowship who was into the New Age and the, the chaos of that movement before, and he was into transcendental meditation levitation. And he was pursuing that, that group with these gurus down in Ashland and various areas in Shasta and... And he told the story that one day he went into this room when he walked in, everyone was levitating off the ground, okay, through satanic power. And God saved him. When he saw that and the power that was being exercised right there that was unholy, he, he knew, I gotta get as far away from this stuff as possible. Now, just imagine people levitating with the power of Satan. Isn't that kind of like, kind of radical? It's crazy. It's crazy. And Satan will mimic and will counterfeit the very power of God in your life. Be careful. Wouldn't it be rad if we all just, instead of going here or there, doing this and that, like the book of James says, we said, if the Lord wills, I'll go here and there, and I'll do this and that. James says, don't buy and sell property, move here and move there, do whatever you want. He says, but ask the Lord if it's his will to buy property, to move here, to sell. You'll do those things according to the will of the Lord. Be, be, be careful, friend. It says in verse three, it says, then I saw one of his heads as if it had been mortally wounded and his deadly wound was healed. And all the world marveled and followed after the beast. We see in verse 3 that somehow in the future there's a conflict, an assassination attempt is put upon this antichrist, this political leader. His eye is wounded, Zechariah chapter 11, verse 17 says, he loses the power of one arm. Can you can you imagine if this really happened? If a political leader got shot to death or attacked with a knife and had his head almost cut off and he's dead and then comes back from the dead, what would the world do? I mean, the world would be so mind-blown. This is it. This guy's crazy. He's hated, but he he came back to life. And you can't blame him, this satanic Power. As a matter of fact, when Ronald Reagan was assassinated or the attempt to assassinate his life came upon him, a lot of people thought he was the Antichrist at that point and uh, put his name together. If you take Ronald Wilson Reagan, his three middle names, his middle name and in the initial, they all equal 666 and all these people thought Ronald Reagan was, you know, and as soon as his term ended, they thought he's going to stay there and take over the White House and take over the world. And none of that happened. None of that happened. But uh, the world is poised for crazy stuff like this to happen. Look at verse 3 again. I want you to see something different. It says, I saw one of his heads as if it had been mortally wounded. And his deadly wound was healed. And all the world marveled and followed the beast. Verse 4. And so they worshipped the dragon who gave authority to the beast. And they worshipped the beast saying, Who is like the beast? Who is able to make war with him? And he was given a mouth speaking great things and blasphemies. And he was given authority to continue 42 months. Stop right there, eyes up here. Did you know that Satan was cast out of heaven for one fatal sin? He wanted to be worshiped. He wanted to be like God. He wanted to be in charge. He wanted to get some of the accolades and attaboys and atta guys. And he wanted, he wanted people. And here at this point, he's raising people from the dead. Satan, the dragon, the antichrist, the beast out of the sea. And there's these miracles happening and the beast makes people to worship the dragon and the dragon makes people to worship the beast. And it's all exactly what Satan wants. And this is happening in the future, and I believe I just like to simplify it that God is so thorough, kind is another word that comes to mind, that He actually gives to you and to me sometimes exactly what we want just to show us that it didn't work. And here during this seven years, Satan will be in charge. It's His turn. All right, I finally get a crack at this whole leadership thing, and I can be God, and I'm going to go ahead and set up my utopia, and it's going to be hell on earth. And the reality is, when you and I take that same stance against the lord lord let me just do it my way let me just do it my way let me let me just have it just a little bit i know what you say it's pretty clear i don't i don't know i kind of want to i want it my way for a minute have you ever done it your way before (laughs) setting up your kingdom it's hell on earth i'm just i'm tired of it it happens in subtle ways Maybe for some of you, you've got this whole empire built up and you're just, man, you know what the Lord says, but yeah, I'm just going to do it. I'm going to do it. And the Lord's like, okay, I'll be right here when you come back. And maybe some of you have been away for a while and you've got a whole system built up. And today's the day you've got to come back. Or maybe it's less often and less intense, but you just, you fell for it again. You ah, I just, Lord, I wanted my mini kingdom, my mini pleasure, but I wanted it. It's, it's, the devil is real. He's on the prowl right now, and he'll, he'll offer you and set up opportunities for you to be distracted or to sell out for things that are in place of Christ. And we naturally, man, we're bent towards rebellion and carnality every single time that we suffer. I want you to see something, though. One. Verse 5, it says, He was given a mouth, speaking great things and blasphemies. And he was given authority to continue for 42 months. I've got that word given circled twice and 42 months also circled and underlined, indicating that God is behind all this, that there is limits and that there is a plan. That even the things that Satan desires to do in that world then, years in the future, and what Satan desires to do right now in your life, God's right there leaning over, monitoring everything. And like in Joseph's life of suffering, there is limits to what Satan can do like in Job's life of suffering, there's limits to what, God, what Satan can do. And I want you who are suffering here today, who feel like you, maybe you caused the suffering. That's not fun. Or maybe somebody caused the suffering for you. Your spouse left you or abused you or the, your children ignore you or your government's forgot you or your health has failed you. What, what? What's going on here? And here, the Bible declares it's gonna happen. And I've given him authority to do this for 42 months, 1,260 days, three and a half years. I know what I'm doing. As John has seen this vision, it is intended to be a comfort to him because he was suffering. It wasn't going to get any better for John. He's going to die an old man. He's going to die watching the church burn as Caesar Nero would wreak havoc in Domitian. It was intended to be comfort for the church. It's intended to be comforted for us as we look at our own lives and our own present day suffering. Satan is limited in what he can do. He has a time. Look at verse six, it says, "'Then he opened his mouth in blasphemy "'against God to blaspheme his name, "'his tabernacle and those who dwell in heaven. "'And it was granted to him to make war with the saints "'and to overcome them, "'and authority was given him over every tribe and tongue.'" And all who dwell on the earth will worship him, whose names have not been written in the book of life of the Lamb slain from the foundation of the world. Stop right there. Eyes up here. Again, we see where he gets his authority from. It's given to him. It's borrowed. And the intention is that every tribe and every tongue would worship him. Look at verse 8. All who dwell on planet earth would worship him. That word dwell sticks out to me. We'll see it a few other times. There really are two different types of people, those who are of the kingdom of earth and those who are the kingdom of God. The Bible says there are those who are the children of God and those who are the children of the devil. Two types of people. And the people who dwell on planet earth, that is you find your great comfort, identity, and purpose and personality rooted in earth, those are the ones that are gonna be prone to worship the devil in all of his satanic energy. Now I'm excited for the Super Bowl, it's gonna be fun. I'm excited for the sun that's coming out today and tomorrow. I heard it's gonna be out for 31 minutes. <laughs> then there's gonna be another thousand days of rain. I get excited about things. Like I, do, I live on planet Earth. Do you, not, do you not live here? The Bible says we are in the world, but not of the world. This world is, is passing away and God has a plan for a new world. And the temptation here is to find ourselves fixated on lesser things, dwelling on the earth and giving our worship to the wrong things. And it says specifically in verse 8, those whose names have not been written in the book of life of the Lamb slain from the foundation of the world. I kept reading that over and over last night. One of the longest titles in the scripture describing who Jesus is. The ones who don't have their name written. In the book of life, of the lamb slain from the foundation of the world. They're going to be prone to worship lesser things. Verse 9, whether John heard this or was so impacted at this vision, added this himself, I do not know. Verse 9 says, though, if anyone has an ear, let him hear. For you Bible students, I would point out that he didn't say, if anyone has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches, which is what he has said in the past, because this message isn't at that time to the church, it's to the tribulation saints, the churches in heaven. But as we study it now here in real time, if anyone has an ear, let him hear. Hear what? God's word. Are you hearing? Do you hear God's word? Are you listening to it? Is it guiding you? Is it instructing you? While you're an earth dweller, while you're here, are you taking your cues from the word of God? Is this your daily bread, your morning manna, your milk and meat in the direction for your life? Is that the case? And he says, if anyone has an ear, let him hear. This idea of being written down in the book of life of the lamb slain before the foundation of the world. Every single person who has put their faith in Jesus Christ, the Lamb, slain from the foundation of the world, has their name written in the book of life. It's written with a sharpie. Okay, It doesn't come off. There's no, it's written with a red sharpie in Christ's blood. Your name is written if you're a believer. But I want you to understand something. Because he goes on in the final verse, and I suppose this is the final verse. The Lord told me last night when I was studying that we weren't going to get past 10, and I just, I didn't want to hear it. I really didn't. He he gives this comfort in verse 10. He who leads into captivity shall go into captivity. He who kills with the sword must be killed with the sword. Here is the patience and the faith of the saints. And I believe this idea, this message of those who kill with the sword will be killed. Those who lead into captivity shall be led captive is twofold. I believe it is saying those who are earth dwellers and those who worship Satan will be held accountable. Their name is not written in the book of life of the lamb slain before the foundation of the world. Don't be in that camp. And if you are in the camp of those written in the book and yet you feel like you're being attacked by the sword and you feel like there's kept man, man's chaos you're in the war and there's suffering John says, here is the patience and the perseverance of the saints and the faith. That is, everything that's taking you captive, everything that's cutting you up right now, everything that's bringing death in your life will one day be arrested, apprehended, and dealt with. And you who have your names written in the book of life of the Lamb slain before the foundation of the world shall be saved. He who has an ear, let him hear. It's a race. You're not done yet you got more things to do. And as you know and get knowledge and God gives you wisdom, you can then share it to other people. This isn't just for you to pack away into your Bible wallet and I know some theology, but instead my life should be seen as different as an offering to those around me. Let me just make sure you understand this profound title. We all understand historically that Jesus was born 2,000 years ago on planet Earth. He set aside his deity and took on humanity. He was 100% God, 100% man. And in that society, he suffered for 33 years. And he was rebuked and ridiculed and he led, taught, and loved everyone. And then when he died on the cross, he suffered and bled. You've seen the passion of the Christ. He suffered for your sins and for my sins. The lamb slain, And he suffered, and we understand that. For six hours of agony, he hung on the cross until he finally cried out, Tei, telestai, and his spirit was committed to the Lord. And for the next three days, the Bible tells us, he went into the center of the earth and preached to the spirits. I believe it was a message not of opportunity. The opportunity had passed, but it was a message of victory, setting the captives free, the ones who had died in faith, the demons who had plagued him. He preached a message. And then he rose victoriously on the third day and he ascended into heaven on the 40th day. And you guys know the story. And yet this title doesn't fit that description. Because he says it's the the lamb slain before the foundations of the world. And I don't think we understand the weight of our sin put upon his body his 33 year life of suffering on planet earth leaving heaven the beatings the tort all that the bible says that before the foundation of the world he was slain that is the grand meta narrative one story before the very first breath was ever taken by mankind jesus knew The cost for your sin and for my sin. And Jesus accepted the plan to save you from your sin and me from my sin. And in that moment, from before the foundation of the world began to bear the sins and the weight of humanity. And I believe to suffer from that point with love. Even until this point. As the war rages on. And the title deed is still Not opened. Just imagine with me. Have you ever blown it so bad that your sin wrecked? It makes you sick. Have you ever failed? Have you ever done something where you're just so ashamed of yourself? You're so ashamed. You're so, why, what? And you're wrecked because of your rebellion and stupid sin. Have you done this before? Just me and Jan? Cool. Cool. That's why we're in the front row. Now, can you imagine if you had to bear that feeling your entire life? Just the can you imagine that if you had to bear my sin and my feeling? And how about just everyone here at South Beach Church at 9 a.m.? Can you imagine that? I, can't, I can barely handle my own sin. I can't do it. It's just, and I take my sin to the Lord. I say, Lord, forgive me. And I plead the blood. Oh, peace, the past, the understanding. Lord, Where did that anxiety go? Where did that fear go? Where did that trepidation go? Where did that shame go? I took it. Thank you. And not just my sin, but the sins of the whole world. And not just the sins of the whole world currently, but from the foundation of the world. Can you imagine the Trinity looking at each other? Let's do it. Let's create humanity. Let's create a family. And then as the blueprints are laid out, if you would, the the cost is... Detailed. And even then, the the weight of the sins of humanity immediately being deposited into Christ's account. Your sin, my sin, everyone's sin. And I I fear we don't understand the depth of his love for humanity. I'll say it this way. When you come face to face with your sin, You see it for what it is, and you understand his love. Even then, can I just invite you, Christian, to immediately plead the grace and mercy of Jesus Christ? Plead the blood. Let let your brokenness, even right now, not distance you from the Lord, but draw you near to him. Let the brokenness of our society, the sins, the failures, the chaos, Christ knows all that. He sees it, and he's absorbed it. This is the patience and the faith of the saints, the perseverance. Guys, soon this life will pass and only things done for Christ will last. I'm gonna have Paul come up and lead us in a communion song. And as long as life is, it's very short. The Bible tells us life is short. And we can trust the shepherd, the shepherd of our souls. I'm going to ask you guys to bow your heads and close your eyes and pray with me. Father, in Jesus' name, we thank you so much for your word, which is the truth. It's the truth. It sets us free. And in Jesus' name, now, as we come to the table... Would you would you open up our hearts to understand your love even more? Your love for humanity, the book of life, of the Lamb slain before the foundation of the world. And if you're here this morning, I'm going to do two response questions. One is for Christians. And the other for, is for brand new Christians but first the Christians. If you're a Christian here, you you love Jesus. You believe the Bible, man. You you know it's true. But you've been doing antichrist stuff. You've just been deceived. Things instead of Christ, opposite of Christ, this in place of Christ. And you just want to be full of the blood and full of the testimony and loving others more than yourself and you just want to be on fire again you want to redeem where you're at your job and your family and everywhere if that's you if you're just a christian here and you ah, you need set free you're in a war would you right now just raise up your hand in jesus name to jesus say yeah raise up your hand it's a cry for help cry for help in any area where you've compromised or you just forgot maybe you want wisdom just raise your hand lord you see these hands and in jesus name would you fight battles today at the table, would you fight? Would you deliver, Lord? They raise their hand on purpose. Don't, don't, don't miss out this opportunity. Just raise your hand right now, and may the chain breaker, the miracle worker, the light in the darkness, fight for you. Lord, my hand is up too. Forgive me. Forgive me in Jesus' name. You can put your hands down. If, if there's anybody here today that, that you say, you know what? I'm not a Christian. I'm just a critic. I'm a cynic. I'm a sinner, and. Uh, And I want to, I want to give my life to the King of Kings. I want to, I want to give, I want to, I want to, I want to be saved today. Never done this before. I want to be saved today. If there's anybody here today, maybe watching online at home, if that's that's you, right now, would you just raise up your hands to the King of Kings in Jesus' name and say, "Yeah, that's me." I give my life to Jesus Christ. I give my life to Jesus. Anybody here at this service? Amen. I see one little guy this morning. Another one in Jesus' name. Is two in Jesus' name. Anybody join these and say, "Yeah." Lord, I thank you. Would you bless these who rose their hands and said, I want in, I want in, I want in. I want Jesus. I'm on earth, but I want to have my heart in heaven. Lord, would you bless them? The Bible says, if you confess with your mouth and believe with your heart that Jesus Christ was raised from the dead, you'll be saved. It's all about Jesus. It's all about what he's done and how it impacts you. Lord, would you bless us as we come to the table? As we take communion, if you raised your hand and you would like Pastor Adam to pray for you, come to the response table over here on my, on my left underneath the screen. I just want to pray for you. Pray that in. Seal the deal. Give you a Bible. Begin your journey with Jesus. So Lord, would you be honored in this time? We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.